Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Digital Success Podcast. After an unprecedented pandemic, we are steadily moving back to normalcy. And one thing that has been a driving force for businesses is the digital operating model. It was a little unexpected experiment a few months back that brought me together with two very interesting people. Alan Eddy, EVP at American Stock Transfer, and John Walden, CTO for Blue Prism for the Americas region. We talked about how implementing a digital operating model during COVID helped their organizations, others, and so much more. I wanted to bring that conversation to you in this episode. So let's listen in. As we get into this discussion, uh, I just want to make sure that uh, it's not only about robotic process automation. <laughs> uh, it is it is about the digital operating model. So, so one of the things that I would like to uh, explore, uh, John and Alan, and I would like to question question you regarding this theme is, so when you talk about white glove versus self service, and I'm sure Alan, in your world, you have you have this right, the white glove service where you have critical customers, and I'm sure all customers here are also have those critical customers that you have to look out for. So. It, it was about it was all about having a human available to me at all times, making my life easier, making me feel important and comfortable. Uh, that's what defined luxury. Now, is this line blurring? And are customers expecting technology to just do it? Uh, is this thinking moving more towards the more technology does it for me, the more luxurious I feel? Right? And so, Alan, for for the question for you would be uh, would you would you agree with this? And are you seeing that? as the case, are you driving your organization towards it? Uh, are you looking at RTA or other related technologies uh, to do that for you? Or are you primarily focused on RTA as a cost-saving tool? Uh, so that would be that question. And John, from your perspective, how are you looking at all of this uh, thing? I'm sure uh, you have stories where RTA is not only being used as a, as, as, as a mechanism to uh, save effort, but also to drive better customer experience. So. If you could, if you could highlight, and if you can, if you if you can provide your perspective on uh, this aspect, that would be great. John, yeah, can I go first? yeah, absolutely. I just I wasn't sure if Alan, you, you directed that to both of us. Not a problem at all. So, you know, my perspective of of luxury always ends up being one of service. Um, you know, I when it, when we were all traveling, as it were, you know, the airlines definitely gave people who were traveling more more service, and you had people you could call directly. But even though I had the ability to call somebody directly, self-service was still critical to me to feel, even be, feel part of that. So when I talk and think about luxury in general, it really comes down to getting accomplished what I need to be accomplished as easily as possible. And from that perspective, when you talk about uh, in one of your, your, your articles about bot-first bot capability, I think that's really critical to understand because if I can be serviced, be via a self-service mode, I'm going to choose to do that. And that's a personal choice, but that also frees people up or frees people to be available to me if other people are doing that as well. So that when there's an exception, when there's something that's, that's critical that I need to, you know, the, the one-off type elements, I do have the ability to talk to a person. And that's really where RPA plays a, plays a role. You know, you're very familiar with the fact that most organizations are looking at RPA and they're considering one of the primary uh, measurements are hours returned back to the business. And those hours are realistically able to provide capability back to the business to be able to support people that do have in other needs beyond what are normal. 
But in the end, service is really what matters, whether it's self-service or white glove. As long as I can get accomplished what I need to, then I'm happy and my customers are happy. And RPA is a great way to do that uh, across both giving, giving hours back to people to be able to do that, as well as just being able to accomplish those things in the, in the omni-channel approach. Uh, and John, it's Alan here. And John, yeah, and John, you said it yourself, right? It all depends on what the, the customer wants. I think bike glove or self-service, it depends on you as an individual what you prefer. Some people prefer self-service. Some people prefer a bit of more of a human touch, right? Uh, and um, so we want to be able to, in ASD, we, we want to be able to service uh, the customer in whichever way they want to work. Uh, so some clients, as I mentioned, prefer to work with a person at the end of the phone. Uh, some people like paper mail. Some people like self-service. Some people like mobile. So what is important for me at uh, AST is that we can deliver this efficiently and accurately uh, and timely, right? And technology is key to that. And some of these tools uh, that we've described already are key to that. So delivering it in a way that's accurate, timely, and efficient. But we want to be able to give a white glove or uh, or self-service. Just it's, it's all about the client. What do they want? We'll try and meet those needs as efficiently as we can. Great. Now, I, I think what, what, what Alan, you indicated is that this is here to stay. People are going to demand that human touch. And uh, what, what I'm also hearing from this discussion is that maybe one is feeding into another, right? So, for instance, if you take care of uh, the manual activities and convert that into self-service, then maybe you actually can provide white glove service the, the way it's supposed to be provided. Because I have been part of certain white glove services which doesn't feel like white glove. So maybe if, if employees have more time, they can actually give me white glove service. Right? So that's uh, so that, that that was good. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, let's let's talk about another aspect that Alan you touched about was in five days you were able to uh, accomplish what you accomplished when you had to move your people around and you had to take care of all the mail that was coming in. So there was this motivation and we achieved the impossible. And when I say we, it's everyone achieved the impossible in their sectors. Everyone was super motivated. Uh, they were more productive, more driven. What, was it just the motivation at some unconscious level because of the unprecedented circumstances? Or can the executives learn some experience and sustain this productivity, maybe a part of this forever? And more importantly, we always thought, let's take baby steps or get small incremental gains, but knowing what you know now of human capabilities, <laughs> can we straight away go to giant gains? And, uh, and then you know what your employees are capable of. So the, uh, Alan, the question to you uh, is, is that, is that the learning that you have? Uh, and how are you thinking about this now that, now that you've gone through one such exercise of what you can achieve? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you said five days. I mean, if only it was five days, right? <laughs> it was uh, it was five weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so five weeks was astonishing. Uh, we implemented this yeah. digitalization solution in five weeks. Now, it helped, of course, that some of the basics were already in place. You just can't spin up some things that quickly. It takes time, right? But we had the basics there already. Yeah. But what really helped, I think, um, was the motivation and the simple message about what we were trying to achieve. Um, we wanted to stop people having to come into the office to process uh, mail, basically. We wanted them to be safe. It was, a, it was a super motivator for everyone, and it allowed us to make um, fast decisions because we were talking about people's safety. And that was key, right? So a shared understanding 
uh, of the rationale and the motivation. So inspiring people and then, and then clearly, and very importantly, trusting people to make it happen. So a simple message, we, um, um, we let people get on with it. And um, this is a lot of what we try and do now in SD. We're trying to run pretty much everything in a, an agile way in cross-functional teams. And part of doing that is, is not just the methodology. It's, it's, as I say, it's allowing people to get on with it, allowing the trust for those teams to make their own decisions and plans. So that's, those are the key messages, I think. It's simple messages. It's shared, it's shared understanding of what we're trying to achieve and then just letting people get on with it and trusting them to deliver. And I think people rise, in my experience, people rise to those motivations. And that's what we can learn from this. We had five weeks, clear message, uh, really good objectives, and um, that's what we need to drive forward for you know, other programs. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very, very strong learning, and that's, uh, that's the learning on my side as well of what can be achieved by those simple goals and strong message and making sure that, that employees are working at that motivation level. So, John, from, from your perspective, you, you wear multiple hats, but one of the major, major roles for you is to learn, what, learn from the market and work on, those, on, on the product features to be launched in the coming months and years uh, for, for Blue Prism. Do you think based on what you know of human potential now, uh, you can launch more robotic potential? So is, is human potential feeding the more robotic potential fairly quickly? Are you, are you thinking on those lines? Absolutely, we're thinking on those lines. You know, the aspect of, of what COVID has done has ended up creating a lot of demand for us. Um, you know, you talked earlier about the PPP uh, aspect of being able to do 14 years of loans in a matter of weeks. Um, that wasn't even something we would have considered before that, but that shows you the potential of being able to spin up these digital workers. You know, another uh, large company we work with really recognized what was going on and recognized they had a lot of processes that they had to adjust or make adjustments to as a result of this. And so some of the aspects of, of product parts that we were already looking at, things like the, the ALM, um, the life cycle management of processes is something that we were already looking at with Blue Prism Cloud, but has definitely been reiterated to us the need to be able to have those adjustments quickly. And we've tried to respond to them, you know, doing all sorts of things for our customers, for having, you know, COVID help with uh, CDC and some other organizations. It's really a matter of recognizing that because of the the state of urgency that we've been living in, it has definitely helped us to recognize and look at the need for digital workforce and how we can better that digital workforce moving forward. That's great. So the uh, one of the things that we we have we have noticed, and this is uh, something that we. Uh, is, I feel it's here to stay, but let's talk about this coexistence of digital workers versus humans. Uh, there has been the fear that RPA is taking away jobs uh, and these technologies in general, if you look at uh, digital operating model itself, uh, we, we ended up actually saving jobs and in many instances saving lives uh, during this pandemic. So are you seeing this shift in mindset and employees who are actually performing these tasks because this fear resides at that level are you seeing that this fear is going away at least uh, at least now and maybe uh, forever because they are being helped by this digital transformation 
uh, are you are you seeing are, are you noticing that and are you seeing that and maybe that question maybe alan you can handle first and john you can go next um i think rpa the benefits of rpa are manifold i mean making things more efficient um removing minor processes clearly is always part of reasons why companies will choose rpa so i think there will always be i think we'll always have that fear if you, if you call it fear uh, persisting um but it, efficiency is a key driver but for HD, it's 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 also about uh, customer satisfaction. It's about uh, the consistency and the reliability and the, the speed uh, of of delivering a service. So RP and other digital digitalization technologies have recently been keeping our staff safe, as I mentioned, um, and been able to deliver predictably, um, and that's great for our clients during these you know unprecedented times. So I think um, these technologies is much more about, it's not just about efficiencies, although that's important. It's also about delivering consistent customer service, um, which is super important for uh, ASD. So I'm gonna go ahead and hop in here because I, I actually I actually struggle with the whole idea of the versus I, of component because I was speaking on a, on a learning forum the other day for a, a human resources, human capital uh, conference. And I always talk specifically about, it's not digital versus human. And I know a lot of pundits out there, especially on the LinkedIn and otherwise, have talked about you know the, the loss of jobs. And it's something that generically at Blue Prism, we certainly have not seen. Um, I always talk about work accomplishment. And accomplished work means that you have to work together, both digital and human, I often refer to it as a as a unified workforce, recognizing most organizations are very good about assigning work to the most appropriate resource. It is not just about technology. This is really about accomplishing work. And, you know, I've got one company that I was talking to. They had to lay off 84% of their staff. Well, not only do you have to go through the process of doing all the work to put, to rescind credentials, to you know, notify all these people and everything else, but you're ending up with a huge amount of backlog that now exists for work that's, that's piling up while they have been furloughed. Without some form of digital capability, without them being available to assign some of this work to while these people are being furloughed for their safety and, and for the, the viability of the organization, that means that when these people come back, they would have a huge amount of tasks and work to accomplish for what had been you know, avoided while they were out, what is now being being de demanded that they have pent up demand for. And it's really that you recognize that by having a workforce that's both digital and human, you can assign and get rid of the majority of work to a digital. And then the humans can give you that white glove service that we were talking about for those that are exceptions, for those that really de de demand the empathy and interactivity. And you can't do that if you're just worried about a huge backlog of, of busy work in general. Well, that's an excellent point, right? Yep. So uh, in fact, digital workers uh, helping humans and, and, and uh, we're working in coexistence. We are, we are seeing that that's happening everywhere, right? Uh, so in fact, in our customers, where they process these thousands of loans in a matter of days, uh, the the, the uh, loan services who actually processed those loans came and thanked us quite a bit because they were already working 18-hour days. If this wasn't there, this coexistence wasn't there, it would have been impossible for them to handle what they were handling. 
And he said that let's let's talk about uh, something that was not visible to you before and is now visible because COVID nineteen made that or uh, that is forcing you to look closer and look deeper. Uh, so my question there is, uh, John, are you seeing more avenues, use cases, industries opening up that you thought may not have uh, the potential that that uh, where you can push technology that is happened in the recent times well yeah i mean we've been handling things from from or organizations that have been related to you know testing related to areas of i mean even getting people back to work i had a, a relatively small organization who was concerned about bringing people back in as well as the the personal component and we have thermal cameras that are now being used by digital workers so that people get scanned when they walk in, they recognize the value of this. They don't have to necessarily go and have somebody, you know, challenging them. Are you, do you feel sick or otherwise it's just monitored and verified. And so those types of, of things are things we hadn't even really thought about before from that perspective, as well as, you know, we've had no numerous comp companies come to us and say, listen, we have this unprecedented issue. Um, it is making it, it is making it a lot easier easier to justify within the bounds of our organization, but we also recognize that this is something that may be a little bit of a burst. Can you help and assist with us with with you know with additional digital workers during this time period? And we're doing all of these things to be able to support uh, everybody during these unprecedented times. And Alan, what's your what's your view on this? Have you have you discovered something that you were not aware of before? And that, uh, that has now become the focus. Well, I, I just think um, it's back to um, this this circumstances in which we find ourselves, where the normal modes of working uh, are, are not there. Right, we're not able to meet in office. And I think automation through technology is is, is key to help um, help alleviate some of those issues. I think the technology has always been about automating manual tasks. Right. I mean, I was looking at the SpaceX. Uh, dock at the International Space Station just last week, which was astonishing, right? And all that was done, that was all automation, all, all automation, right? So, I mean, technology, we automate things that are were previously previously manually, manual done, and I think we're going to see more and more of that coming along, right? And leaving more and more space, as we talked about, for, you know, more and more of a white glove, white glove service. And I think we're going to keep seeing these things. I'm very keen on machine learning. I think uh, that's going to have a big impact to how we process basically some of the unstructured problems we have right now. And I think we'll see that driving automation uh, beyond levels that we have seen historically as well. And then software as a service, um, I mean, we talked about our, our, our Stella platform. Good example of um, you know creating cost-effective solutions for clients, um, and in, in this case for private companies. So I think technology, um, this is when technology shines, right? It's when um, we have these big problems, uh, different, different types of things to solve, and we're talk what we're trying to solve right now is a world where people are not in offices and um, the work still comes in every day. Yeah, you're, you're so right because technology has made giant leaps when uh, there have been disasters, right? You talk about world wars or you talk about financial uh, meltdown, you talk about the pandemic, you take all these uh, disasters is when technology has been pushed to the limit and that's where it has made a giant leap. So you're absolutely right. This is, I think, forcing all the technologists in the right direction. To solve these problems, and uh, and the next two questions primarily. Sorry, one, one, the first, someone, uh, just one thing before we move yeah. on, if you don't mind. Yeah, that that yeah, point yeah. about um, um, these massive changes uh, support large innovation. 
This is what we see in the private uh, world as well. In, in the 2008 financial crisis, a lot of private companies were set up after that uh, in response to some of the problems that uh, were made visible through the crisis. And I think we'll see the same here, right? We'll see a lot of private companies forming and because of the of the of the, some of the challenges we've had now, right? This is a problem we haven't no one's seen in their lifetime, and uh, I think we'll see a lot of private companies reacting and responding to those new uh, opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> to add to it further, I just heard from one of our customers that they processed their one millionth claim coming directly from telehealth and telemedicine, and there was a big claim made by this company that this is here to stay. So that's uh, an industry that's trying to make its way and trying to push the boundaries. But I think this pandemic is going to make that a norm, right? We are, we are going to continue to expect that. So that's another example. But but in the interest of time, let me uh, move to the, the, the next, next theme that I'll explore and maybe I'll, I'll stop after a few minutes here is one of commod commoditization, right? And this is something that maybe we addressed already. But if you look at it as a technology uh, uh system integrator or, or solutions provider latitude, or maybe from a Blue Prism perspective, uh, this is one thing that we always want to stay away from. We don't want to provide services in the commoditized area, but it also for, for technology to move forward, commoditization is absolutely necessary because you have to have commoditization. That's when people start talking about innovation more because it's all, it's all, it's all driven by this commoditization. This is what I believe. So my, my question here is, uh, Alan, do you, did you feel that this is, uh, you are seeing that happening in the current set of technologies and you alluded to uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence just a couple of minutes back. But can you speak a little bit about this aspect from, from a CTO standpoint? From a future standpoint? Well, the future, right? The future is hard to see, but say, let's say in the next five years, I think we'll still see, um, we'll still see paper, we'll still see voice. Uh, everyone won't uh, automatically have, uh, move on to um, brand new digital technologies. So I think those things will still persist, although probably reduce in scale. So I think machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence will be key to help make those things more seamless. And that's just in how we interact right now. But if I were to look at the future from a business point of view, as I said, AST is in the business of managing a company through its whole life cycle. And uh, I think we'll see um, digital securities underpinning more and more companies. You know, as, I mean, we talked about private companies, we talked about public companies, and I think smaller companies especially, I think fast-growing companies, will probably evolve to using more and more digital securities. Uh, and, and I think ASD, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at this actively as well as a way of, um, you know, thinking about the future, evolving along with uh, the needs of these companies. So I would say if you look at the future, I would say we'll still have some of the same problems we have today. We'll have better technologies to fix them, but we'll also have a different way of how companies want us to help them as well. So we will be reacting to that. Wonderful. John, what do you what do you feel? I mean, maybe you can address both these aspects, the commoditization that is uh, challenging you and maybe what's, what you see in future. And I'll try to try, I'll ask you to do that in the next 30 to 45 seconds. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> maybe a bot again. <laughs> you know, the co commoditization is, is bound to happen. And when we first introduced RPA, you know, I was having to do a lot of education, just make people familiar with it. You know, the fact that it has now become a, a common three-letter acronym is huge, uh, huge both for organizations as a whole as well as um, for companies to be able to see what is available to the future. You know, we've talked a lot about the aspect of time being returned to, and innovation 
is really one of the key items that helped drag us to the future. You know, back in the 60s when everybody was talking about, you know, things like Star Trek and Star Wars and those types of things, you know, we, we, we laughed at the idea of having communicators in your pockets. And yet now, you know, we have carry around more technology in our park pockets than originally put the first man on the moon, sort of tying in, uh, you know, the whole idea of the space delivery and what would happen there from an automation perspective. But I think as we look at the future, the idea of AI and ML have to be applied and have to provide that innovation cycle for people. And we can't really define AI and ML unless it's being defined within the bounds of uh, a process, within the bounds of some accomplishment. Otherwise, it just becomes way too nebulous. It becomes a, a problem looking for a solution as compared to what I think RPA and the commoditization of RPA really provides. And that is, you define what the problem is, we'll find a way to deliver on it uh, at scale by using digital workers. That was one of the many great discussions with Alan and John. And I know that the conversation will keep continuing and we will be back with some interesting uh, topics. If you'd like to know more about robotic process automation and how to make it part of your digital operating model, take our crash course on www.latitude.com. That is www.latitude.com. Thank you for tuning into the Digital Success powered by Intelligent Automation Podcast. This is available wherever you listen to your podcast. Take care and bye now.